I have been thinking for a while now that I wanted to start covering a range of different topics on my channel. Uh, I have to do other things and I want to do other things. And basically I thought, well, I'm going to, I want to get more into philosophy and psychology and film and history and those deeper things that I really love and that I, I taught in college um, as a, as a literature professor. And then I also want to get into some other controversies or some other stories that really have just fascinated me and that I feel like I could bring something to the table in terms of looking at some of these stories where I tackle complex subjects and I go through them every week, like a, like a series, right? So I wanted to get into, and I know that this is something that uh, it's deeply fascinating to a lot of people. There have been multiple documentaries on this topic. You know, uh, one of them, a two-part documentary, two-season documentary, and each each season had like nine or ten episodes, right? And and then there were other documentaries, and there was a made-for-TV movie. It was a Lifetime movie, I believe. And books and interviews and just like podcasts and just just all kinds of stuff centering around the Nexium group, popularly known as the Nexium cult. And I know that those who are still defenders of Nexium and proponents of Nexium uh, do not like the term cult, and I understand why. And but just for just for the case of ease of just you know how people commonly refer to them, I'm going to use that term. So it's a fascinating topic. And it is something that I, my evolution on this of kind of how I got interested in it and where I'm at with it and how I feel about it. You call it the Nexium scandal or, or, or whatever, and the Nexium story and how I got interested in that. I had, and I had Nikki Klein, former Nexium member on my channel, and she talked about it. And she's actually since changed her position on on that situation and got into the specific reasons why she's changed her position. I'm going to cover all that in my channel coming up later. We're going to get into this whole thing. Um, I've been hesitant so far. I've been looking into the next same thing for a while, and I've been hesitant so far to really talk about it because there are some people in my audience, you know, and haters and whatever who freak out when I talk about it. And, and they say, oh, this the leader of the group, whose name is Keith Ranieri, uh, this guy was sentenced to a life sentence in prison. And, uh, and this, you know, this has already been adjudicated and done. And why? And, you know, are you just trying to do the same thing that you did with Johnny Depp and with Marilyn Manson and stuff? No. No. And in fact, um, as I say, as I said, I think that uh, Ranieri deserves uh, some degree of jail time. But I, I do think and I and I think that, you know, I still have a very long way to go before I have a grasp of the situation, because this is probably one of the most and I'm not talking about just this guy. I'm talking about the whole the whole situation and all that's associated with it and all the different voices and all the different people I've talked to behind the scenes on different sides of this and who have different opinions and different experiences, like it is extremely complicated. So I just want to say I'm starting a series on Nexium, and I'm doing so because even with all the material that's out there and all the fascination, I still think that I could bring something to the table. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to basically go back, kind of go back to the start of the story. And I want to, I want to review what I've already learned. And I want to add to that. And I want to go through again. And I want to review the sources I've looked at. I want to look at new sources. I want to, you know, talk to people. I've already talked to a number of people, but talk to more. And basically, I want to take you along with me on a process of learning about this topic. And I understand there's all kinds of topics we could be looking at, and we will look at a lot of things in, in other videos, 
But for whatever reason, this thing just fascinates me. And I think that a lot of other people are fascinated with it. So I understand that, you know, people, there are people who have trepidation about this and they think, well, you know, so far your channel has been mostly devoted to defending men that you think are innocent. And that is not the case here. And you can look at the video that I'm, that I'm about to post and to get a clearer sense of my position. But, um, there's a lot going on in this case, and I think there's a lot more to be done than uh, just coming up with, you know, a, a sort of a, a sort of a trite position, right? There's, 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 it's a huge human interest story, right? So everybody, if if you didn't already see it on the live stream the other night, uh, check out the video that's coming. All right, I'm going to transition into it right now. And this is where I explained the other night in depth and in detail my feelings at this point about the Nexium controversy and about Keith Raniere and about, well, some of the criticism that I received for even having Nikki Klein on my channel for that interview that kicked things off a long time ago. I think you're going to find it an, kind of an interesting saga that I'm going to lay out here if you haven't heard the story before. All right. Every time I want to talk about something, whether I want to do a video on it or I bring it up on Twitter or I want to put it in the live stream, I have people who either publicly or privately get very disturbed and will message me and, and give and tell me some form of, if you talk about this, I'm out of here. I get that like every topic that I do. Now, some some things are more controversial than others. So I'm, I'm about to start talking about Nexium in a minute. And that thing, like I have actually looked into that a lot. I've done a lot of research behind the scenes and I have a very um, complicated view of all that. And that is not a view that is pro Keith Raniere or that looks, you know, favorably on Keith Raniere, but I do have a very complicated view on all of that. And any time that I've got, that I've even come close to getting near that, I have people freaking out and hyperventilating, not most of you or whatever, but I have people freaking out and hyperventilating and telling me that if I get into that or if I don't say what they want me to say about him, then they're out of here. And I understand that's nor like that's normal. There's going to be people, there are going to be people that get upset, pissed off or disturbed about every single thing that I talk about because they do. So when I tell you this stuff, it's not like me pouring my heart out complaining like woe is me is this is so bad or whatever no i'm just i'm just explaining like psychologically what are some of the considerations or the hurdles that i'm facing or dealing with when i'm trying to put out this content so the nexium thing very a very complicated view on that and so that was something that's something that i have i i find interesting i've looked into i've talked to people behind the scenes um you know and i had nikki klein on on my show um i offered to have um a, a opponents of nexium or those who are more critical on my show i tried to contact some people i did speak with one person um not one of the main people in all of that but someone who was anti-Keith, anti-Nexium, had had some experiences that they wanted to share with me, and I talked to that person and so forth. So 
I am inevitably going to get into topics that are going to turn people off and they're going to or freak people out or whatever. And also in my effort to work through things, like there are things like with the Nexium where I, I really don't know totally how I feel about it. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Keith Ranieri is great or that he didn't deserve jail time or that there wasn't shady shit going on or whatever. I'm saying though that like after like really trying to immerse myself in it like the the whole thing makes my head hurt which is one of the reasons why i haven't covered it on my channel even though i've read a lot about it i've talked to people and whatever is like it makes my fucking head hurt that having been said some big things just happened so i want to talk about them but anyway so i i guess my overall what i'm trying to say is that philosophically i have decided that i am not going to be as timid as perhaps I have been, and you might say timid, you're, you're saying that what we've been seeing for the last two years is you being timid. Well, yes, I'm not going to be as timid as I have been about getting into things when I know that those things are going to lose me, you know, subscribers and patrons and all that, because people like when people get pissed, they like to make a big, they like to hurt you. I, I, and again, I'm not saying this in like a victimization way. I'm just saying that that when people, when people, when when you say something that people don't like politically, or or in the case of you know like a legal case or whatever they don't like, they have this. Even if it doesn't last very long, they have this impulse. I guess we all do have this impulse to like make you feel the pain for that. And so the way people express that is they'll send me these messages saying, I've been watching you for two years and this is just outrageous. I'm leaving. And then, you know, they delete their Patreon account or they leave or whatever, right? Stuff like that. That stuff used to bother me or it used to dictate some of my behavior. And I'm just decided that I just cannot continue going on with that so things will have to be what they will and people will have to be upset but i don't know it was getting to the point where i was starting to feel like i was almost becoming kind of i, I felt like it almost the youtube was getting to where it wasn't fun anymore because i was worrying so much about like setting people off it, maybe it'll make more sense to tell you my evolution on this so let me let me talk about that all right so sometime in the summer well okay let me back up Let's back up several years when this this and I'm going to call it a cult. And I know that that comes with a ton of baggage. And by the way, basically all religions started as cults. OK, but I'm going to refer to it as a cult, even though I know that the members of Nexium, they and those who are still loyal or whatever, they dispute that. But for shorthand, you know, that's what I'm going to call it. That is at least the way it is perceived. OK. So, so I first heard about the Nexium cult several years ago when this story broke and I was not really paying much attention to the news at that point in my life because I had some things going on in my life. I don't even remember now, but super busy. You know how you just kind of like ebb and flow with news watching or being attentive to the news? And so there have been times in my life when a ton of stuff's been going on in my life for some tragedy or whatever and i just completely sort of you know i'll hear some things or every now and then i'll see something you know online or whatever but i'm just kind of dropped out so it was kind of during that period and so i wasn't paying really close attention but i remember seeing in the in the news in the media that 
members of this uh, this cult, Nexium, had been arrested, and that they were being tried for. And then, of course, you know, all of them ended up making deals, except for for Ranieri, Keith Ranieri, the, the leader. But they uh, they were charged with various things, and um, some of them seemingly more serious than others, and 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 Ranieri as well. And I remember, you know, thinking when I when I heard the charges, I was like, oh, okay, you know, those charges are serious, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Those charges are serious. They they you know that's that sounds bad. But then I also remember, I think there was an interview perhaps that I saw with someone, I don't remember who it is, but maybe someone who had left the Nexium cult, the Nexium group, um, or I, I don't know, someone who was really negative about it. And they described one of their chief complaints about this man, about Ranieri, seemed to be that he was that that he had a bunch of girlfriends and that he lied to women about like cheat he cheated on. He was cheating on women and he was telling women that they were the only one. And it turns out he had this like kind of polyamorous sort of harem going going on. And then also in this in this just this snippet of this interview that I saw with this person who was talking about you know how awful Nexium was, they were talking about you know how the uh, multi-level marketing business plan that this group employed was you know was so awful and everything. And I'm thinking, uh, and, and then the other thing that was brought up was the fact that women were agreeing to get branded that is with a cauterizing pen so um you know kind of like a tattoo except worse because right you know like you're you're actually getting something into the skin there that um that this guy this Ranieri guy or his people had gotten these women some of these women who were really deep into this group to agree to get branded uh with what turned out to be his initials and my thought, and so that was what was presented, and that was that was all that I heard of it initially, okay, years ago when all this stuff broke in the media. And my thought was, well, those charges, you know, the, the legal charges certainly sound serious, you know, the things that they're mentioning. What's actually being discussed in this interview, yeah, it's, it's I wouldn't want to brand, get a brand of someone's initials on me. It's not, you know, yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with, with a guy who's, you know, cheating on me and is lying about it. Like, I, I could see that there were, like, issues here, obviously, and some, like, ah. Uh, but there was also this kind of undercurrent that bothered me a bit. And this was before I'd gotten into, like, thinking about Me Too or thinking about, uh, you know, uh, about, like, gender relations, really. I mean, I had taken classes in grad school and I had read a bunch of, like, feminist theorists and things like that. But, like, it just kind of was this feeling that struck me as, like, I, I don't know how comfortable I feel with what sounds like consensual activity or people complaining that this man is psychologically manipulative. I don't know how comfortable I feel with that being the reason that the government comes down on someone and arrests all these people and that it would end up, this guy would end up being, getting a live sentence. Now, I know that those are not, I, I know that, that he was charged with more severe stuff. I'm going to get into that in a minute. 
But I'm just telling you that that was sort of the early flicker with me of like, hmm. Um, and, but I didn't care in my life moved on. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an issue with me. And I never watched the vow. I never watched uh, the, the two part. No, not two part. Not, is it nine part? The nine part HBO documentary on this. Now I have since then I've watched the vow and I watched seduced. I, wa I even watched the, um, the, the terrible made for TV movie. Was it a lifetime movie? Um, with Peter Facinelli playing Keith Raniere. Like I even watched that. So like, you know, I've read, I read, I read the, the big book. Um, what's it called? Don't call it a cult. I mean, like I've talked to people, like I've looked into it now. Right. But back then I hadn't. And so what happened was over the summer, this last summer, I was contacted by Nikki Klein and Nikki Klein is, um, up until, very recently, up until a few days ago, Nikki Klein was the main proponent and loudest proponent of uh, for Nexium and for Keith Raniere and for the idea that Keith Raniere had been unjustly treated by the justice system and uh, the FBI had planted evidence. In fact, um, there's a pretty strong argument for that, but I don't know if we'll have time to get into that, but it planted some evidence um, on, on, on an underage picture of a 15-year-old girl, which is where his charge for child pornography came from. Anyway, Nikki was one of his, she was one of the main members of Nexium. She was also one of the main members of this secret women's society that Keith had created. Now, he it seems he did lie about creating it, right? So there's one stri a strike against him there, okay? Again, I don't have any illusions about, I think you're going to see this guy or what I think might be going on with him. But, uh, but there was this secret society that was created and it, and so you had people like Nikki, women like Nikki who were in this. Now, um, the vast majority of them did not have sex with Keith Raniere, but some of them did. And then he, and he had, he had some of these long-term relationships. It seems like actually most of his, uh, if not all of his relationships were longer term relationships where women have not alleged any kind of um, uh, physical abuse or anything, but psychological manipulation and stuff, right? In fact, it's interesting. One of uh, one of one thing that gave me pause is that one of his main accusers, uh, Barbara Boucher, um, she talked about in, in in one of these documentaries about how he was extremely gentle and sweet and he helped her work through her intimacy issues and like so it's interesting because this seems to be a deeply Ranieri, a deeply complicated figure who is capable of um of psychological manipulation, but also at the same time, it doesn't seem like anyone is um, accusing him of what we would think would get someone a life sentence. Basically, he got like 120 years or something, like a life sentence in prison. But we'll get to that in a moment. Again, I don't know. It's complicated. But here's what happened. Nikki Klein was, he, she was um, his main proponent. She was the most public face of, um, 
this protest that he he shouldn't be in prison, and it kind of expanded into a larger, you know, um, critique of the justice system, perhaps strategically, I think, because maybe I think they realized that, you know, that they were not going to get public sentiment on board, you know, to care about Keith Ranieri. So let's let's make it into a larger issue with the justice system, which I think actually there is a legitimate aspect to that. Uh, such as the accusations of FBI tampering. But anyway, she contacted me, uh, Nikki Klein. She was a former actress on Battlestar Galactica. So if you're going to know her, you might know her as Callie. She played Callie, which was a recurring role on Battlestar Galactica. Anyway, she contacted me, I think, over the summer. And, um, or you know what? Actually, I'm not sure. I think I contacted her. She followed me. And she had a blue check mark. Now, I know this is going to make me sound like, you know, a petty person, but whatever. I'm just being honest with you here. She followed me and she had a blue check mark. And that was back when blue check marks on Twitter like meant something. <laughs> this is a special person. So I, so I was like, I noticed. I was like, oh, who's this blue check mark? And then I, I looked her up. And I say, oh, you know, actress, Battlestar Galactica. And so I'm like, you know, and then I see, you know, something. And then I Googled her and Nexium cult, Keith Ranieri, ex-slave. Because uh, because the idea is that this um, the secret society of women, it had this Latin. They gave it this Latin name, which refers to slaves. And, well... I'll get into that in a moment. I guess it is really complicated. But um, um, anyway, but she contacted me and she, or no, I contacted her and I said, I said, oh, I said, it's, you know, I don't get blue check follows every day, just kind of striking up a conversation. And then I made some kind of a joke, as I recall, about her infamous status. Because again, the Nexium thing had not been on my radar really at all. I'd had that like sort of one little blip, you know, back in 20, whenever it was 17 or whenever the stuff was breaking. Um, but anyway, so, so I, I made some quip about it or whatever. And then we got into a conversation and I think initially it may have even been about one of my philosophy videos or I, I don't remember, but Anyway, I ended up, uh, we would kind of, every now and then we'd talk, but didn't really talk much, you know, just an occasional DM on Twitter, maybe every like few weeks or something. But when The Vow 2, part two came out, so this there was a second installment on HBO of The Vow. And so it was another nine episodes. So it was, you know, we're looking at it. It was a really extensive documentary. And um, I didn't feel like the first season really got into much. And that was part of my disappointment initially, too, with, with that. I watched the first season of The Vow, and I'm like, is this all there is? But anyway, I thought that when the second season came out in the fall, it would be cool to have her on, to have Nikki on, because I'm like, you know, it is true. I'm always looking for ways to get more views. I know that some people see that as some kind of a, a flaw, but there is a certain practicality that if I don't care about trying to get views or to even at times provoke a little controversy, then, you know, people don't watch. 
And so again, it's kind of a balancing act, but I thought it'd be cool to have her on. It would be topical. Hopefully there'd be a lot of people searching for this kind of stuff. And for her, especially since she was going to be on the vow, they actually put her in part two and interviewed her again as a strong proponent of Keith and of Nexium and a defender of all of that. Anyway, so I interviewed her. I did two. I, I did one interview and I broke it into two parts. One would come out on Monday, the Monday that this the Val Part Two would premiere, and then the second would come out on the next Monday when this when it would pr premiere again or episode two would premiere. And it stirred up a lot of controversy. People did not feel like I was as tough on her as I should have been. That is not my perspective in interviews. I don't feel like you actually get much insight into people when you're being hyper-confrontational it, it, or confrontational. It might work in debates, you know, if you can like zing the other person and then everybody's like, ooh, you know, like I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. You know Jack Kennedy. But uh, I just don't find it, it gives good interviews. It gives you a good interview. And, you know, because people have their guard up. And they're not really, you know, it's when people have their guard down that things can actually slip out or that you get the truth or whatever. Like, I also don't look at interviews as I'm trying to catch people either. Maybe that's part of my problem. I'm like, okay, you have a space. I'm going to open my mind as much as I'm able. I'm going to take in what you're saying while also thinking critically about what you're saying. And I did challenge her on some things. And one of the things that I challenged Nikki on, and this is an issue that I have with Nexian. This is one of the things that, um, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't think there's any way that I'm going to think that this is okay. So like, you know, on the list of things that bother me about Keith, what Keith Rainier, how he conducted himself and Nexium and all that, I think this is a big problem. Again, is it 120 years or whatever, one's entire life in prison, you know, 23 hours a day in solitary confinement? Is it that level of problem? I don't know, maybe, but here's the situation. I asked her why it was that when women joined, voluntarily joined this, uh, this secret society, I asked her why it was that they had to give up what was called collateral. And collateral is basically blackmail material. That's not, you know, that's not how they they talk about it uh, in Nexium. That's not how Nikki talked about it. Uh, their idea was that, you see, Nexium has this whole philosophy, and again, I'm not saying it's a great philosophy or whatever, but um, they have this sort of Ayn Randian, for lack of a better term, uh, individualist, hyper individualist, kind of Nietzschean philosophy about about following through with your commitments and in a way that's um that that's that's extremist in a you know to this in the sense that uh yeah it's it's not how i would live my life i think it's it's it doesn't seem fun it seems problematic but one of their big things was the idea of being of of finding ways how do i put this finding ways to make yourself keep your commitments. So let me put it this way, all right? 
let's say that I resolve that I'm going to stop drinking Coca-Cola, which is, I know it sounds small, but sugar actually is poison and over and, and it, it poisons you in a sort of a, a gradual way, chronic, you know, sort of chronically over time. Um, and I drink way too many Cokes. Now that may, people may say, well, that's not much of a vice. Oh, I have worse vices, but I don't want to talk about those right now. Um, but I drink, drink too many Cokes. Now I have had, I've on many, many occasions, I have said to myself, I am not going to drink Coke. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to drink Coke this year. It's like New Year's, right? No Cokes this year, no sodas this year or this week, or I'm only going to drink one a day or whatever, you know, like make all these things. Right. And what eventually happens is, is that, um, most people break their resolve. You know, not everybody, not in all ways, but the self-discipline, self-discipline is incredibly important. And it is something that evades almost all of us in key aspects of our life. So the idea was some of what, at least from what I can see, you know, and again, even after looking into all this stuff, my exposure is still limited. But from what I can see, one of Nexium's primary, um, uh, one of its primary maxims or its primary goals was to help the individual to find ways to hack their own lack of self-discipline. In other words, finding ways to make breaking your word either to yourself or to other people, breaking your word so painful or so difficult, or it would entail a consequence so that you would not do it. Now, do I think that that legitimizes the fact that these women who wanted to join this, this small secret society um, had, to, had to write letters saying that their family members did things that they never did or give nude photos or whatever? No, I think it's completely like creepy and wrong and I mean, an un unethical and and I think that someone who, um, and I think that someone who supervised a dining, who supervised an organization where that was going on, I think that there's probably some jail time that needs to be entailed with that. So I think you'll see that my perspective on this is not. Keith Ranieri, he's like Marilyn Manson. He's like Johnny Depp. Let's get him out of, you know, he never, he jail, all these people, or they're just lying their heads off. No, it's just, but there are things uh, when you look into it that start to become complicated. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But anyway, Nikki was on my show. And, uh, and I was, I was nice to her, but I did, I did grill her on some things like the collateral. I asked her a question about the collateral. I asked her to justify the collateral or the blackmail. I asked her three different ways to try to nail her down. And she, and she slunk out of it all three times. Um, and I definitely felt when I was talking to Nikki, 
I definitely felt like there were certain topics that I would hit on and she would kind of, there would kind of be a wall go up or she'd kind of like slide around it. But that's, but people do that all the time in interviews, especially when they're coming on an interview with an agenda. And so it's not like that was some like huge alarm bell. It's just like, you know, I could tell that when I got to certain points, there is this kind of, right. So I got a lot of flack for that interview, I lost a number of people um, on Patreons. I think that was probably the biggest dip that my Patreon ever took. Um, I mean, not that we're talking mounds of money or whatever, right? But, but it was noticeable. I all lost subscribers. And I got these concerned messages from people behind the scenes. And there was one guy. And Jordan, here we go. You're going to get some attention now. So your, you know, your big bet in going after me months ago is finally going to pay off. So here's some free press for Jordan. Uh, what is his name? Just a, what was his name? Just a minute. Let me see if I can find this. I, I should have found this earlier, but I want to show you. Um, I want to show you this, this video or rather this series of videos that this uh this youtuber addressed to me one second i should have found it before but i haven't okay here we go um and again i'm not bullying this guy or whatever right like he put these out here and he's addressing me publicly so i'm gonna call some attention to it so let me just share just a second i'm not gonna show you the videos and you can look them up and i'm not saying he did a bad job or whatever but uh i just want to tell you how this happened <clears throat> Okay, so, oh, just a minute. Yeah, so these first, uh, these first two videos, there were like two others too. I think there were like three or four total. And uh, these videos in which he's begging me not do, Colonel Kurtz, do not associate with Nexium. His name's Jordan Owen, by the way. So everybody, you can go and subscribe to him. Like I said, I'm giving him free PR here. So, you know. Go and subscribe to him if this looks appealing. He he made look honestly like he he made good arguments and stuff. So like I I watched the guy and I was like I I get what you're saying. I just think that he he and others they get so like worked up thinking that I'm gonna lose my mind and just follow anybody down a path, you know. But uh, but he he said um, do not associate with Nexium and then he did a video one more attempt because what happened was. I did a rebuttal video to this, and some of you might have seen it. And in the rebuttal video, I kind of made fun of all of these people who were sending me messages behind the scenes and were sending me this guy's, you know, video and were concerned that I was being, you know, there was some concern that I was even brainwashed during the interview with Nikki, that she was using brainwashing techniques on me even within that interview. And so I made a video, you know, because some people, they interpret being nice as being brainwashed. I'll give you an example. For instance, in the YouTube video, the YouTube interview that I did with Nikki, she told me that the first video of mine that she had seen or, or, or something like that was one of my philosophy videos. And we did this sort of, you know, nice little exchange of like, oh, that's cool. And I said, you know, not, you know, people don't watch my philosophy videos very much. And she's like, yeah, I thought it was good. Now, do I really think that 
that she came to my channel via philosophy video? Maybe, maybe she was telling the truth, but what's more likely is the fact that I complain a lot on my YouTube channel about the fact that nobody watches my philosophy videos. And so, you know, was she using some strategy there? Was she just being nice? Was she telling the truth? I don't know. But the point is, uh, some of these people out here like Jordan were very concerned that my just kind of taking that at face value and moving on was evidence that her brainwashing was working. Now, I just wanted to get on to something important. I didn't feel like litigating adjudicating whether or not she actually came to me by way of my philosophy videos or whether there's some, something more Machiavellian going on. Because I kind of assume that there's always something more Machiavellian going on because everybody, and I hate, you know, some of you, I'm sorry, you know, some of you who are children, psychologically, you don't want to hear this, but everybody mani manipulates everyone. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody is an Amber Heard, everybody running around is an Amber Heard, or that we can, should condone, you know, hyper manipulative behaviors. But I'm just saying to relate to other people, philosophically speaking, to be in the world with others means that you are in a constant act of negotiation with other people. And that negotiation has a manipulative aspect, whether conscious or unconscious. So a lot of the time, I don't get all worked up and hot and bothered over whether I think someone is trying to, you know, use some strategies. I'm just like, you know, I'm smart enough, I think, to see through things. Not always, perhaps. Um, so I did a rebuttal video. I told you this was going to be a long story. Sorry. I did a rebuttal video. And in the video, I made fun of these concerns partly because I was kind of irritated because I'm like, you guys, I did, I did one interview with this person and, and now you're freaking out and you're thinking I'm about to like, I'm about to start trying to free Keith Ranieri and it's going to be the next, you know, Marilyn Manson topic on my channel and all that. It's like, have a little more faith, but you know, I guess some people go to the worst conclusion possible. So anyway, I made a rebuttal video and I did kind of, I did make fun of, uh, of some of these people and I pretended like uh, like I had been programmed like like I, I, I pretended like the program was kind of glitching so I had all these like ticks when I was talking I said something like um I just I just want you to know that I am not under the control of Nexium <laughs> not under Nexium mind control and so then he made one more video Jordan did and this is where I probably went over the line, you know, because here's the thing. All of the critiques that I get and the criticism and people, you know, constantly unhappy about various things um, in isolation, those things, those comments, and those critiques and all that have almost no effect. But it does kind of become almost like a Chinese water torture after a while where like even like the smallest effect, but all of those <laughs> over and over and all these people, eventually there will come a point sometimes, and it typically happens with me, it typically happens, I'd say about once a month, where someone I will have finally like had enough of all of the and, uh, and I finally have had enough and typically, I will express my annoyance in a very harsh, unkind way at whoever just happened to 
set off, you know, the what's been building for a month. Someone's going to recut that and it's going to make it sound like I'm a monster. That's the other, see, that's the other thing. That's why I, I, that's why I'm always so initially skeptical of all of these different claims about people is because I just know how easy it is to just focus on the worst things a person has done, distort them, put them in a bad light and market it and put it out there. Um, but uh, again, that's not a comment on Nexium or anything. I'm just saying in general. So I, but this guy, the the it finally, and I don't know if it was the, if it was Jordan or if it was actually someone who had watched one of Jordan's videos and then was sending me some hyperventilating, worried DM or whatever that I didn't even I didn't really even fully read or respond to. But I just you know you can just kind of get the gist sometimes in the first few lines. I'm just like Ugh, again. So anyway, I left a comment under Jordan's video. He said that I messaged him. I don't think I messaged him. I, th I think I left a comment under one of his YouTube videos about me. And I think uh, maybe that, I guess, gets transferred as a message via email or in the system or whatever, too. But I don't think I messaged him. But anyway, whatever. And I said, and so now we have to go back and look at the, the picture for this to make sense. Um, what I said to him, which was unkind, I told him that if he wanted to warn me about getting uh, seduced, metaphorically speaking, by a cult leader or by a cult, perhaps he himself should try not to look like he is a cult leader in someone's dimly lit hostage basement or something. And I think I also made a tacky remark about having uh, more subscribers than him, which in retrospect, that's the thing that I regret. Because the other thing is just kind of funny. I mean, he really does look shady, you know, metaphorically and literally in that, in that poorly lit basement. So anyway, that was my so so what happened then is that I, I did get I did get a lot of blowback and I did also have people who were um, who were anti Nexium or people who'd been following the story for a long time and they were telling me that I needed to educate myself on this because one of the things I was complaining about is that I watched the whole first season of The Vow and I didn't see in that first season of The Vow um, I didn't. I didn't see what the big fuss was about. And in fact, what I did see was a lot of warning signs that this was a extremely like biased and um, a biased publicity vehicle for several of the people involved in it. Now, have I, would I reassess that idea? I, I, I don't know. 